This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. These following things. Um, I have to say, first of all, that I believe it does what God wants it to do. And I think that's the most important individual thing. But we listen to each other and we support one another. We have total trust with one another. We can share. We know it's confidential. We can talk about any area of our life, um, whatever it might be, and we can talk it through. Um, We'll help each other to see things about Jesus in our life that maybe we don't see automatically ourselves. Because sometimes somebody stood outside can see something slightly better than you can. So maybe sometimes you think, you know, where's God in this? And you, you need somebody else to point it out to you. We make no judgments whatsoever. And that's borne out over a long period of time. But most importantly, we love each other. We look out for each other. We pray for each other. And we care about each other diligently. And I want to really just say to you this morning, being in a house group, sharing, learning a bit more about the word in depth where you can do it on a much smaller basis through discussion and teaching is a fantastic way to boost your confidence. And, you know, when you need to share with others... A house group is a great place to do your apprenticeship as a Christian if you're a young Christian, but also, if you're an older Christian, to share your passion. It's a great place to do it. Our house group is not unique. What I've just told you is not unique. There are other house groups in the church, and I'm sure they're all as good as each other. Um, But one thing I do know is if you aren't going to a house group, I'd really like to encourage you to look into it and try and go to one because it's a real chance to take your study to a different level. That level of personal care that comes from that small group can help you grow, can help you uh, become even better as a Christian, even better in, in your understanding as a Christian, maybe I should have said. And we can all do with growing, because if we're not growing, we're standing still. And if we're standing still, we're not moving forward. We need to move forward in our Christian life. It's a big, big thing, is keep moving forward. So, if you might be interested, that's the end of the advert, stroke promotion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's the end of it, but if you do uh, what, you know, want to find out, I sometimes wonder if, if house groups are this sort of mythical thing in church that lots of people might have heard of them, lots of people might you know, know that they exist, but they haven't actually been to one to find out what it's like. I haven't necessarily come and ask. Uh, so I just want to, from the front today, say house groups are fantastic. If you want to get involved, they're, they're there. Come and talk to me, Andy, Nigel. We'll tell you where the house groups are. Go and have a go, because they are honestly fantastic, and it's a great opportunity to just uh, look at things slightly differently in a smaller group. Okay. Why did I mention house groups? Well, I mentioned house groups because I start off not with an apology, because I told them on... Tuesday at my house group or our house group that I was going to do this but this particular word has come about as a result of study in 
the house group. And to be honest, this is a subject that's really touched me and that's why I felt I needed to bring it to you. And um, it certainly made me think. I spent a lot of time studying around this um, because it made me think so much. And I wanted to share this subject this morning for that very reason. I'll be making lots of references to scripture uh, because one of the things, again, we do in the house group, we've, we've kind of really focused on that we, we need to get to scripture. You know, not just, not just have a talk, but actually get to scripture. So if you've got your Bibles with you, by all means, have them ready. Um, we'll be going through quite a number. Um, but don't worry, because I'm going to read them all out to you anyway. Uh, in our house group, we, we actually pick on people and we say, can you, re- can you read out that particular verse? Because it gets everybody involved. I'm not going to do that to you today. I'm just going to uh, read them out to you. Uh, I've got them in my notes ready. So, we always start at house group with a prayer, and I thought we'd start with a prayer this morning, if that's okay with you. So, just bow your heads for a moment. Father, we just ask you this morning to magnify your word, to make it so plain that we see it as a shining light in front of us. Father, we pray every person goes from here greater than they entered, because of your word, and because of your Holy Spirit that is here now with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Um, what makes grace amazing is my title this morning. A bit of a spin on the title. Um, So first of all, what is grace? In studying for presenting this, uh, I found myself pondering this question about grace. Have we, in today's Christian society, become Christians that operate in this world by the grace of God, or do we use the grace of God to excuse us from operating in this world. That's a bit of a tough start. Bit of a, I'll say that once more, just so, so you can get it. Have we, in today's Christian society, become Christians that operate in this world by the grace of God, or do we use grace, the grace of God to excuse us from operating in the world? And I'll unpack this over the next 20 minutes or so, um, not going to be too, too long today, but um, next 20 minutes or so, I'm going to unpack it and have a sort of uh, a look at this. Bit of a tough start, um, but the whole point is to, to raise a question. By the way, intentionally today, I'm not going to be drawing you to a definitive yes-no answer. Um, I'm really leaving you with something to think about, and that's completely intentionally. But I hope at least it will spark your attention and spark your, your thinking about this subject of grace. So what I mean by this, first of all, is um, I mean that I hope you'd all agree that we're called to be Christ-like. That when we become Christians, our main aim is to grow in the understanding of Christ and, if you like, to try and uh, mirror his, his um, life on earth. As much as possible, we're called to follow in his steps. We are, after all, by being born again, disciples of Christ. Fact. We've been saved and we're here to do the great works for God's glory, not for our own. But an awful lot of how grace is referred to in Christianity today is actually looking at grace from the point of view that it doesn't really matter what happens because grace will forgive you. 
That's how Christianity can be presented. God's grace will wash us clean. In fact, if you go back to 1950, seems awfully long ago to, to, to make a reference to, um, but there was a phrase coined by a chap, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, no, I'm not going to attempt to spell that for you, uh, but he was a, a theologian uh, of his time, obviously, and he, he coined a phrase called cheap grace. And it sparked a massive amount of debate in newspapers, in, in uh, Christian theological articles of the time about what this cheap grace was. And I've just taken a little snippet of the article, so excuse me that it's, you know, it's quite, you can imagine a lot of articles and quite a long article, but the one small snippet hopefully just gives you the flavour for what we're talking about. So cheap grace we bestow on ourselves. That's the first thing. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring any repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without any confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate in our lives. So, me and Andy had not at all spoken about what was going to happen today, other than to say, Andy, would you do communion? You know, I'll speak. Nigel, would you do the messages? But I thought that Andy's uh, vision that he gave of walking backwards towards God, coming to communion, was really, really relevant. Because we have to ask ourselves, are we actually facing God? You know, are we walking in his path in the light that, that comes from him? Or are we actually walking backwards towards him? And I think you can probably see what the, 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 the point I'm drawing out there. You know, that isn't the fullness of God, is it? If we're walking backwards towards him. We might eventually get there, but it isn't walking in the fullness of God. And Andy, thank you for your um, item there. It's not really surprising then that some Christians are confused I'm conscious I keep looking over there instead of looking over there, sorry. Uh, It's not surprising that Christians have become confused because many messages coming out of the Christian churches are mixed. You know, let's be honest, things get changed. Things get changed and a lot of modern churches or or, uh, people are talking about this cheap form of grace. But one thing I don't believe and I'm fundamentally absolutely sure on this, is that we don't have the right to change the word of God. No matter in what age we live, we live under God's law. And we don't have the right to change it. And to illustrate this point, I've got three starting bits, we'll be into lots of scripture this morning, three bits of scripture that I think make this, this point quite well. So, Hebrews 13.8, and you can shuffle with your Bibles and keep up with me if you like, but I will read them all out, so it's entirely up to you. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. I'm sure everybody knows that one. Deuteronomy 12.32 says what thing howsoever I command you observe to do it thou shalt not add thereto nor diminish from it 
Couldn't be much clearer, could it? Very, very clear. And then from Titus 2.12, it says, Deny ungodliness and worldly desires so that we can enjoy a sensible, righteous and godly life in the present age. And I just want to focus for a few moments on that in the present age. Because in the present age means now to me. And that tells me straight away that, you know, we aren't, we aren't changing everything to suit the age we live in. Maybe we all get excited, we all think that the age we live in is the most important age ever. There's all this time's gone before, all this time's going to go ahead of us, but we live in the most important age. We don't. We live in the present age given to us by God to live in this current period for a reason. And we enjoy sensible, righteous and godly life in the present age. You see, I think it's dangerous to use God's word as an excuse to soften our stance, which is something we see so often. Excuse our failings without considering the repentance that needs to go before them. Or how we ourselves can overcome things if we just rely on God's grace rather than trying to do it in our own strength. So let's look for a moment onto the definition of grace. and uh, Definitions, sorry. And I say some, some because even here we've got differings, as you might imagine. The Oxford English Dictionary, we'll start off with, says, the free and unmerited favour of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Preferring a more theological definition, what of course could, could, choose for, uh, could choose to look at a very simple three-word definition that was uh, very much used, which is simply... God's unmerited favour. It's quite a common one. But it kind of doesn't seem enough, does it? It seems like it's a very small definition for such a, uh, an important thing. But A.W. Tozer, uh, an American pastor from uh, about 1887 to 63, I think he was, um, expanded on, on this particular definition with Grace is the good pleasure of God that inclines him to bestow benefits on the undeserving. So we're kind of working around the same thing, but we're just illustrating it a bit more. But then finally, I'd like to offer you this one from Louis Burkhoff. He's a Dutch theologian, born in uh, 1873, born in, in Holland, surprisingly, since he was Dutch. And... Uh, moved to America and Canada and served in the churches there, served in Bible study um, uh, places, um, colleges, and uh, became very well known and obviously a trusted theologian. And he came up with the unmerited operation of God in the heart of man affected through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And for me, this is the best one. For me, that starts to get to the heart of what grace really is and what it does. So already we can see that all agree that it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that can't be earned. 
We don't earn it. It's not good behaviour that gets us there. And again, to bring you some scripture to back that up. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance. And that comes from Ephesians 2, 8-10. Sorry, Mike, I did it the wrong way around so you can keep up. But grace is so much more important than just a one-off gift. And how we use it is so, so very important. It's not a dormant quality. It's not something we get gifted once and store away and, and never use. Or well, I don't believe it is anyway. And I'm going to try and convince you of this in, the, in this next uh, period. It's not a dormant quality. Something God gives us to keep safe. It's very much an active and motivating gift. It's something that we, we live with, something that we breathe with. The grace of God appeared bringing salvation and instructing us. comes from Titus 2, 11 and 12. Grace is not an imaginary blessing that lies idle until we need it. Grace is God's sovereign initiative to sinners. That comes from Ephesians 1, 5 to 6. Grace is also not a one-time event. In fact, I think it, that we easily forget that grace is what sustains us as Christians. It is by the grace of God that we can operate. It is through God's mercy and his grace that allows us to operate each day. I use the example in the house group of the flu vaccine because for your best health you might be advised to have it and it will give you that extra protection against the flu virus and then you'd be advised once you've had it once to keep having it. You'd have regular boosters and you'd keep up your immunity in hope, to the flu virus via that. But of course you could choose, you could think, I'm not going to get the flu. So you could choose not to have it. And that would be your choice. But grace to me, having studied this, is something where we have the chance to receive a daily booster. Not just an annual jab. Or at least I'd hope not, anyway. A daily booster. A daily booster that's amazingly for your personal world immunity to deal with your particular situations, your particular environment. The strength to see the world differently. To fight off the things that come against us in the world. That's what your grace is about. That's the grace that God gives you personally. It's actually the practical application of God's love for us since that grace protects us both physically and emotionally. It's kind of like a special shell that protects you. 
It's like being able to have a booster every single day that's personally tailored to whatever your situation is, whatever will come against you that day, because God already knows. So God is able, through grace, to give you that booster that you need to face the day. Just imagine if such a wonder drug was available in the world, what, what, I'm sure it would be greatly talked about, uh, this drug would be able to know in advance what ailment was going to come against you and treat it. But even then, you know, some people wouldn't see the need. Even then, some people would think, no, I don't need that, I can, I can manage without that. And no doubt some would imagine that if they had the drug once, they wouldn't need it anymore. You know those sort of people? The sort of people that once found a bit of Christianity, but they're not living in it. And we pray for them all the time to come back and just keep living in it. But, you know, it's not a one-off event, is it? We, we live and we breathe through the grace of God. So how then do we get God's grace? That's got to be the question. If we've, if we've agreed, and I hope you've you know, stirred your interest, if we've agreed that we want to try and find grace, how do, we, how do we get it? Well, really speaking, I believe we've already got it. The problem is that we don't always actually realise or we don't actually switch it on um, because we carry on doing what we want to do rather than listening to what God wants us to do. And the more that we do that, in Andy's little demonstration earlier, the more that we're actually, we might be thinking we're going towards God, and maybe we are. But are we actually listening to God? Are we actually walking on that path that God's got for us, that's got the light shining on it, or are we doing our own thing? It's a big question, but one that I believe is worth pondering. I believe that we've all got it because when people really get in times of trouble and I'm referring whether they be Christians or non-Christians in almost every circumstance they turn to prayer. In almost every circumstance they seek out God. Whoever God is because to them they don't know at that point in time. But when people get really to the end they, they generally turn to prayer and to God. And that's why I believe that actually God's grace is in us anyway. And we are so gifted as Christians who've been born again to be able to have that direct access to that, understand it and use it. Many people around us don't. But I believe it's in them. And I believe in some ways that actually an interaction with one of us at the right time actually activates God's grace. And that is what you know, moves things along. Paul once said, as a straight-talking person Paul was, in Romans 6, 1-2, and I love Paul, I think Paul is amazing, the number of things that he brought out in, in Scripture. Uh, absolutely brilliant, the way that he spoke, and I can imagine that if he was on the earth right now, he'd be a character that we'd all remember. Uh, especially with today's communications, you know, you can imagine that Paul has spoken, 
Paul's come out, Paul's explained this, so you can really see that you would uh, get it. But he said, in Romans 6, 1-2, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin live in it? Because the point here is, when, when we were born again, we were washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We shouldn't therefore intentionally carry on allowing that sin to hold us back. That very same sin that we had washed clean. Try and change that round and start doing what God wants us to do and living in his grace to overcome that, that sin and suddenly the booster that I was talking about becomes stronger and stronger each day. We become more and more able to resist the, the pressures of the world. Again, scripture. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods. comes from Hebrews 13.9. So it's not all about feeding our physical body. It's about feeding our mind. Having the right... Uh, Thoughts, processes, desires in our mind is, is what that is saying. Yeah? So it's not just food that you need in terms of nutrition. You need the nutrition of the word. And Peter said, we would grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3.18. So I think we could probably agree that we need to think about what God wants think more about what God wants and maybe a bit less about what we want. Then, and only then, can God start arranging our life the correct way round for the way, the plan he's got for us. And we can then receive the best of the grace that he wants to empower us with. When we truly follow his plan rather than ours, we will still have challenges. But our strength to overcome it will be at its utmost because of the grace of God. The Holy Spirit is in charge of of the practical application of that grace and he will deliver to you all the grace you need for your personal situation. So it's different for each person. And it's different according to what's going on at that time. But we are called, as we've already read, we are called to live in a certain time. God knows what's going to happen and the grace he provides is sufficient for us to live in those times and those experiences. And he actually says, uh, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9. So we're not called, we're not called to do everything in our strength. We're called to do everything in God's strength. And we're called to call his grace down into our situation, to accept his grace into our situation and operate within God's grace. And that's when he can bless us the most. The grace of God is a a central principle of the good news of the gospel. 
God acted to set us free from sin. He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we'd be set free. He freed us from the sin, not just the consequences. So grace can provide the protection we need, not just the cure in the aftermath. And that's maybe where we can get a little bit confused. We don't just need to sin and then turn to God for grace. Because the grace he gives us is the protection from that sin. What's very comforting to understand is that when we take our place in heaven, we'll no longer experience temptation, stray thoughts, misspoken words, those sorts of things, uh, false motives. Guilt will be gone from us entirely and shame will be no longer. So we shall always be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 Marvellous, marvellous to get into Scripture and really use Scripture and understand Scripture in the context of what we're trying to talk about and think about. In the meantime, though, we have grace to help us live the life he wants us to live. Not, not, um, not the one strangled and bound by the sin that we've just been talking about, but the one that is blessed and free because of grace has overcome the sin. For we are his workmanship created in in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand and we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 As I draw towards the close, because I promised you I wouldn't be too, too long this morning, as I draw towards the close, I wanted to say to you that I'm the very first, the very first to say that all too often I put myself before God. I don't want for one moment you to think that I'm stood up here um, taking the opportunity to speak and preach um, from my own personal perfection. Completely the opposite is the case. Completely opposite is the case. This word has touched me through study because I've realised quite how grace works in our lives. I allow the world to influence me as much or even more as any of you. And I've realised in this study, and it's been a few weeks studying it because we've been doing it in the house group and I've prepared it for today, I've realised how much this really means. These words uh, have really spoken and touched me. I suggest one of the biggest challenges facing Christianity today is that even though the de- even the definition of Christianity itself is under attack, even the definition of Christianity is under attack. The rest of the world would try and redefine it, would make things acceptable, would make things different. The question for us today is simply, are we Christians then in the modern world or in, is the modern world in us as Christians? And I hope you get that. Are we Christians in the modern world, or is the modern world in us as Christians? Big difference. Massive difference. We need to resist the temptation to conform to the modern world, stand up for what is right, what is in Scripture, and live in our time by the grace of God. That's what it says in Scripture. That's what it says we should be doing. 
It does not say, let's change it all because we've got to the 2015s or whatever it might be. Because no matter what anybody says to you, Christianity is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And I can assure you, I've studied this for weeks now, and I can assure you I found absolutely nothing anywhere in Scripture that says I have a right to change it. There is nothing in the Bible that says that. I started off with a title, What's Amazing About Grace? And I draw this final comment, almost final comment. It's God's grace that's truly amazing. That's what's amazing about grace. God. Nothing else. Just God. God laid down this scripture so that we might understand. God sent people to make it clearer to us so that we might understand. When we didn't get it, he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we might receive it again. What's amazing about grace is God. Richard, if you wouldn't mind um, coming back with the musicians. I, I sort of dropped this a little bit on, on Richard, but and I intentionally have sort of, I won't say kept it short, but wanted to finish slightly early because I just wanted us to not necessarily have a time of prayer, but just a time of contemplation, really. Just a time to, to just think on, on this point. You know, very often we finish and we just disappear off because we're, we're busy lives back into the world and within maybe five minutes of the preacher finishing, they, they kind of were back in the world doing, doing our thing. So today, I just wanted to sort of mellow that out a bit, really. Just have a bit of time to just calmly just think about it. Um, I've asked the musicians to play a song, maybe two, to end the service. I don't want you to run off. Just take a few minutes to soak. If you need prayer, um, I'm only too happy to pray with you. Andy and, and Nigel are here too, so we'll pray as a leadership. Um, but even if you don't need prayer, if you need to just say a prayer to God yourself, just take the time to do that. Just, just have personal time with God because, you know, that's so important. It's just really, really important and, and we, we kind of overlook that sometimes. We rush about fitting things in, doing all the things we need to do. Just take some time to be with God right now. God is in this room. The Holy Spirit is in this room and he wants to minister to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to minister to you with grace. He loves and cares for you. He wants what is best for you and he wants you to receive his grace and be protected from the world in which you live. When a child is hurt, in pain, sad or feeling alone, all they really want to do is press into the arms and get a cuddle from a parent. God is your parent. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just cuddle in and allow God to really touch you. Be with your loving Father this morning. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.